This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger has been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. It's the history of the Tottenham. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy. Happy New Year. No managerial merry-go-round, no race to appoint the next big thing. Despite many lacklustre performances in the Premier League this season, there has been no dismissals. Is football changing? Are managers finally being given the chances they always cry out for? Is Martin O'Neill stuck in Ireland? In his one million euro a year job, you know. Actually, is he only on in that? I thought no, he was on more. I think Roy Keane's on like half a million for like being the assistant manager for five matches what a, waste. a year or something. Yeah, it's not, it's not a good waste of, it's not a good use of money coming from, you know, that's meant to be benefiting the whole people as a whole, the whole nation. And yet still not the the worst uh, use of money the FAI have at the moment, no, it seems. No, they still find, they find a way. Yeah. But yeah, the Premier League seems to be, uh, it's 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 a place where you can be happy and secure in your job if you're a Premier League manager this year. They haven't sacked anybody. Yeah, no matter how poor your team is playing. It hasn't been, it hasn't been this calm since uh, 2012, when it was a very similar kind of uh, year. Post tournament, you know, 12 13, post tournament, uh, you know, a lot of clubs had a lot of leeway because, you know, they're given they're giving their players the benefit of the doubt. They weren't, you know, oh, your players are tired. Yeah, fair enough. The managers, it's not that it's not working out. It's just that's the way things go. And Robbie Bert, it was uh, Robbie Di Matteo, Berto Di Matteo got oh, sacked of course. that time. <laughs> Coming off after a Champions League victory and, you know, Chelsea not doing that well. Sacked after a 3 0 defeat in Turin or something? Yeah, but the, it wasn't until November. Oh, no, he lost to West Brom because West Brom were oh, the, yeah, the Chelsea Brom manager was, killer for yeah, a while. Yeah, they kept getting manager sacked. And uh, Roberto Di Matteo made a nice little bit of money and it was unguardingly for quite a long time before he took up the reins at Schalke. Yeah, oh yeah, I was just going to say it was a uh, shock he went to next. That. I wonder who will be the next Schalke manager <laughs> coming from the Premier League. Uh, is it your friend? Yeah, Fulham, what's it? I can't even say. Slavica Jukanovic, who uh, is under fire this week and has been for the last two or three weeks now. A 2-0 defeat at Anfield. Not the, not the worst result you're going to have as Fulham manager losing to one of the title contenders 2-0. Especially because they'll get a moment of the season out of it because they're going to be under all those compilations of just hilarious moments for that first goal. Who, For people who didn't see, Fulham scored a goal and it was just offside. It probably was just offside. Mitrovic with the header in. Yeah, just a fraction offside. Fraction offside and he kind of celebrated and then, oh, okay, I was offside, whatever, I'm going to go back. And as he's walking back, Liverpool have already taken the free kick. It's gone out to the right-hand side. They pass the ball to Salah, who's onside, just inside his own half. Salah thinks he's offside and kind of jogs with the ball, doesn't run very fast. Meanwhile, uh, the rest of the Fulham defence are still out of position, trying to get back, trying to play offside. Yeah, one of the defenders tried to play the closest one to him, tried to play the offside line and could fail spectacularly. Yeah, it was, it was an absolute mess. And Salah, despite his efforts not to score, still managed to score. And then that was the match, basically. Yeah. In one 10-second turnover of play the match was won yeah, against Fulham the, the scoreline on BT I think actually showed Fulham 1 Liverpool 0 and then all of a sudden as Liverpool scores <laughs> yeah. to make it 1-0 oh it's always good times you know uh, what did the manager say about it the, during the week before the Liverpool match Lovisa Yukanovic came out and uh, basically blamed the players yeah. <laughs> he was like I'm a good coach you know I know how to manage my team in fairness he's probably right like that's what a lot of you know players who return to you know front up 
Joe Hart said it in the past under Pellegrini. Uh, Seamus Coleman was it recently said it about Martin O'Neill that it wasn't the player, it wasn't the manager's fault that we were playing so badly. It's our fault. He, he might hear the players say that every time, but I'm, I don't think I recall ever hearing a manager say, "No, no, the players are yeah, to blame." It's the players' <laughs> fault. Well, Mourinho. He's yeah, besides besides uh, Mourinho, who was a, an exception to the rule there. Yeah, he proves the rule just by <laughs> virtue of him existing. Uh, yeah, like what, what he said, it was uh, unfaithful. What did he say about the decision? He, he said it was unfair. Disrespectful. Disrespectful to follow that decision. That was, <laughs> uh, I don't was, even know what he means by that. BT Sport had a horrid day. Like They picked that match for a start, which turned out not to be a very good match. Although the other three alternatives they could have picked for the day weren't better either to the Chelsea. Arsenal. Wasn't a great Super Sunday. No, like the Man United match was entertaining enough. It had moments. It had very good football from one team. That's very least. one team, but uh, like Fulham or Fulham and Liverpool was a poor match, and I'm watching the post match coverage of that and them trying to create a controversy. Yeah, uh, like oh the ball was spinning as uh, yeah you could like the it. argument could be made that the ball was rolling when Allison took the free kick, but it was just so pointless. Like they went on and won two 0 So like that's a stupid rule. There, there's there's things about the football which is. They say, oh, you have to play... the Like, it's stupid. Like, when uh, referees will make a, a substitution happen again if the player steps onto the field a second before the other player come, the player is replacing comes off. Oh, no, we have to do that again. You know, it's stupid rules that are enforced at that. And that I think the ball rolling when a free kick is being taken is one of the stupidest rules. Because it penalises the team who are taking the free kick. Who are the team wronged in any event? Yeah. And I always find, like... There's rules, and then there's keeping with the spirit of the of the game. Yeah, you, you want the game to be flowing quickly, yeah. like you don't want these stop the starts. Rules, the rules and... as well, like uh, just just do it. Like if it's a throw in and he throws it, just throw the ball in and play on. Like you don't have to waste all the time in the world. If it's a goal kick, I know people say, "Oh, the they people have said this about the rule about player the, the goal kick having to go outside of the box for it to be a valid goal kick." And I'm like, I would say I'll just keep that rule because it forces. It doesn't allow teams to time waste as much and it allows teams to actually put a lot more pressure on attacking teams by immediately putting a press on the goal kick if they're playing it short. And we're seeing that a lot of that. This, this we are, because teams like are kind of... Arsenal, Arsenal I think, are at it, yeah, Chelsea Fulham are at it. in that match had to retake a couple of goal kicks as well. I think they had yeah. to do two in a row at one point. <laughs> it was ridiculous. like, come on. <laughs> but, like, there is little rules like that, but, you know, don't you don't necessarily have to penalise them all the time but I suppose there's there's things saying you have to keep the, all the rules all the time we should just make football pettier really well it already is like that's that's the thing that's the problem is like a lot of these rules are petty they're they're not worth the time it takes to blow the whistle no like really the referee is. like oh it's a free kick like it's an offside free kick and they take it five yards away from what, the line was. one of the worst things is when a goalkeeper is wasting time and then the referee will wait to the last possible second and give them the yellow card yeah. for time wasting. Yeah. It's like, that's just wasting even more time. Or the the way the, no, don't even get me started on stoppage time and the way that's dealt with. When it's so some, inconsistent. Some referees will, if the team is time wasting in stoppage time, some referees will add it on. Very few though. The majority will blow it up in like four minutes added on, they'll blow it up 94, even though a minute and a half is used taking a throw in. Yeah, and like so, like it's or gotten to the kick. point where when a man when a ref does actually apply the time wasting correctly, we actually have to praise him for doing his job yeah. correctly. Oh, but then again, it annoys other people. Oh, seven minutes of stoppage time—that's you know when they do it with VAR, say in Europe at the moment, when you have eight or nine minutes added on because of VAR, or it's happening in cup competitions in the UK as well, where VAR is employed, 
and suddenly you have 99 minutes on a clock and you hear the computer oh 99 minutes that's not that's not a normal time for football you know they start getting into their kind of spiels of the Martin Tylerisms of you know bringing up the one fact they have over and over again oh but I love whenever a match gets to 100 minutes like what was that Liverpool Arsenal match years where Dirk Kite scored a penalty in the 99th minute or something but that was an equaliser yeah. wasn't it and Emmanuel um, no someone scored for Arsenal also in stoppage time yeah. it was like the 96th minute scored first and then Kite scored an equaliser immediately after oh it was unreal I love it so like it's basically they played uh, for the first half of extra time like. well unless they get unless they figure out a stop clock or something in football which may I wouldn't put it I think it's it's almost time for something like a stop clock I, I'd be against that now but that that's that's a whole other debate as well I think it would add another dimension to football I think we'll get to at another point but I think it would add another dimension if we kept rules like I think a stop clock would suddenly change the dynamics of time wasting in football Some... I think water breaks and something like it would become a lot more prevalent because you won't have the the little standard breakages in time won't be as easy to come by there'll be constant pressure to keep the tempo going get the ball back into play and everything like that on both sides because you're not getting any benefit from not being in play and I think you would get an interesting world where say if a past 90 minutes you don't, you don't stop playing, like immediately. There isn't a big siren like there is in rugby league or in like hockey or something. You instead wait until the ball goes out of play, like in rugby union. So then it becomes an onus. You know, in rugby union, that, I, 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 the ball I, out I completely of play. disagree with you, but I think that's a debate for another day. Yeah, someday we'll just go through as America van Basten and all oh, his, his bizarre rule changes. Rules. Yeah. yeah, I want to go through that someday. Uh, but. Back to the actual football. The, let's go to Germany, where the match dub Der Klassiker took place on Saturday. No, yeah, a bit of a really be yeah. Dubbed anything? No, it's just Bayern against Dortmund. But yeah. it, it was a fantastic match. I was watching it. Uh, Bayern losing a huge win for Dortmund, three two. Almost, almost conceded a very, very late equaliser. They did but, concede but, a late equaliser, but for VAR, VAR ruled it out. Well, rightly. well, oh, no, the, the, the assistant, assistant referee, did. and then it was checked on VAR, but yeah. it was very dramatic, and it was just great finish. Like, from oh, it was a good finish. It was a good ball, finish. good ball from Kimmich as well. Yeah, uh, it was. It was an interesting match. Like Bayern took the lead one nil through. Who it was Lewandowski? Lewandowski yeah, Lewandowski two. scored yeah. two. So Lewandowski. And then Bayern or Dortmund were particularly great in the first half. Like Bayern actually had a good bit of control, yeah. but then Dortmund kicked on immediately in the second half. Got a penalty within like two minutes. Yeah, Marco Roy stepped up to take it, uh, scored very good penalty. You know, Neuer, Neuer didn't have a particularly great game. He was the one who gave away the penalty very slow off his yeah, line. Yeah, very similar to the Man Un- City penalty. That was uncharacteristic. Yeah, very, very like the Man City one on Sunday. And then like four minutes later again Byron scored again 2-1 lead and, again. yeah Lewandowski again another cross another goal yeah a bit, a bit scrappier this time yeah. but it was kind of like oh Dortmund what are you doing they're throwing the away onus the was on you yeah. yes and they missed a few chances as well up to that point and then they continued to miss chances Royce could have had two or three before he did eventually get an equaliser and he scored the difficult one. <laughs> He's like he had two or three really simple yeah. chances. Like there was one where Jaden Sancho did like particularly well to get around and then spot Royce yeah. to make the pass. And all Royce had to do was just smash it in. Yeah. And he took a touch and another touch and the chance was gone by then. He Raheem Sterling did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, his hero Raheem Sterling. He was looking up to him <laughs> in that moment. Um, but eventually Royce scored a really good goal. Like nice technique, bring it back across the the goalie from a kind of a half volley. Yeah, uh, from a crossing on the left, and then 
Bayern were just so terribly defensive defensively. Like Jerome Boateng cannot run. They left so much space yeah. for for Dortmund to counter in, and like Jane Sa- he Jane Sancho, it was like this is the first time I'd really seen him play ninety minutes. Yeah, and he was poor in the first half, but he did improve greatly in the second he half. An assist. Uh, did he get an assist? I can't remember. Did he get the assist for the second goal? But it was Axel Witzel got the assist for no. the third goal. Paco Alcacer cannot stop scoring. No, he is unstoppable. He is the best player in the world. Apparently. Yeah, he's... he just give him the ball and he will score. <laughs> he's the super sub. Like it's it's at the point now where he's not he's not really that fit to play ninety yeah. minutes. But when he when he does become ninety minute fit for ninety minutes, do you keep him on the bench just because he's so good at scoring well, off they, the bench? Like at the moment, look the luxury is with uh, Borussia Dortmund because they have. Marco Royce, Pac Alcacer, uh, Jaden Sancho, to name just three of their st- attacking. They ha- they don't even not even speak about Christian Pulisic. Yeah, he I I don't know I don't know if he's injured or not, but he wasn't involved at all. I thought that yeah, was a bit odd. He's out injured. Okay, that, that explains it. Uh, but like that that's what I, that's what I mean. Like they have such riches that, and they generally one or two of those are all they play because the way they play football, the way Lucien Favre has them set up in a very pressing orientated and and a small attacking force that bring in more from the midfield. That's their kind of style to bring in more runners in the midfield to take shots to score but they're getting great return out of their attacking yeah like they put four past Atletico Madrid which is not something a lot of teams do do. against Atletico Madrid in the past week yeah they did lose last week 1-0 that was at the Wanda Metropolitano and I think Atletico kind of wanted to get something back against Dortmund whereas Dortmund I don't think really needed to win yeah that's the important thing because both of those teams should go through in the group uh, but Dortmund now left with a four-point gap to second. It's not Bayern in second place, though. Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, like the, it's the return of the old teams from the 1970s. Yeah. Gladbach are back there. Frankfurt are up and thereabouts in Niko Kovac's old team. They are actually above Bayern Munich, which is, is a bit, it feels a bit like, you know, when Everton got ahead of yeah. David Moyes' Man United. <laughs> it feels a bit like that. It is, yeah. I suppose it is very similar to that. And Frankfurt are still playing excellent football despite losing important players over the summer. Like, it's... Maybe Kovac wasn't the yeah. key to that success. Maybe it was something else inherited in the club. Uh, the the thing with Bayern is I'd like to think that, you know, there is a bit of injection of life and surprise and excitement into Bundesliga. But it's still early days. If you remember last season, Ancelotti was, wasn't even doing this badly. But Ancelotti was suffering as well. And the Champions League defeats kind of was, is what gave, was what caused him to get sacked, really. And... You know, Bayern were a bit away as well at that point, but they just hired in Jopinkes Jopinkes and won the league comfortably in the end. And there's still time for them to hire somebody in. Like, we have to remember, like, it was only a few years ago when Bruce Dortmund were bottom at at the Christmas break in Bundesliga and still got a Europa League place. The difference, I will say, though, between Bayern this year and Bayern last year is that, frankly, it's all about Dortmund. Like Bayern, Bayern, all well, the same also, issues still persist. Like I think I, Bayern are getting worse I, as well. Yeah, Bayern have gotten worse. Like I made a joke on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Like maybe Carlo Ancelotti wasn't the problem at Bayern yeah, Munich. You know, I, I stand by that. I think because like Carlo's done all right at Napoli. Like he's playing quite well, or his team is playing quite well there. I'd love to see Carlo playing at Napoli. <laughs> that would be that would be really good. Stick him in and replace Jorginho. That'd be unreal. Um, uh, He'd but, do a job. He would. Yeah, I wouldn't say no to it, but. Dortmund are a much better team. Like they went, they had a, they went top of the league by October last year. I think it was maybe it was late September. But they, they kind of weren't there on merit the way they are this year. Like you can see two managers. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Peter Peter Bosch was brought in, and he kind of he the team wasn't playing that well, but they were just winning. Mm. And then their luck ran out. They went to Wembley and lost against Tottenham really poorly. And yeah. ever since then, they were just they nosedived, and they ended up finishing second or third in the end. Yeah. 
Whereas this year, Lucien Favre has come in, the players suit him really well, he's got a plan going, and like he has done well in first seasons. He, he had a good first season in Nice and a good first season in Much Gladbach before, yeah, before everything. Meant to break yeah, before he had to leave. Um, so it is a matter of whether can Dortmund can keep it up. But the the weird thing with Bayern Munich though is like the, I think Uli Hoeneß said it again today. Like they plan on spending in the summer. It's like if you keep saying that you want to spend a lot in the summer, then everyone eventually you would think would catch on and be like, hmm. We've got players Bayern might need, yeah, and we could do with a lot of money. But the thing is, and the thing that Bayern have in their back pocket when he says that, he's not saying that for an international market. Uli Hoeneß is saying that for a German market, and Bayern still have the power to buy anybody in Germany, like outside of a few. Even at Dortmund, I know in Dortmund they that in recent years they haven't been selling to Bayern, which is a, you know testament to their strong beliefs that they're not selling yeah, to Yeah, Matt Hummels rivals. was kind of the last player to go. Yeah, Matt and go, go, uh, uh, Mario Goza. Mario Goza. But now, like, we didn't even speak of Mario. Mario Goza's still there. He was he, he was playing for Dortmund yeah. there. Yeah, he was yeah. doing all right. He, fair play to him considering the injuries he's had. Yeah, and the disease he has. Uh, but they will buy anybody. Like, they should with Gretzka, with... Uh, who at Wagner when they fought him for like no reason yeah, just to it buy was, him it was so it was actually kind of funny when he came on yeah. yesterday but they're not buying Saturday. the or the midfielder they signed who I can't think of the other guy which central midfielder Bayern have where did they sign him from Taliso? I don't remember they signed Taliso, but that was like they pay like the, I think he's their record transfer no not him it was the other guy but the the my point with all of this is they they still have the purchasing power in Germany to buy out their rivals if any of them have good seasons. The thing with Bayern that I've been concerned about with them is this: they won the league last year and it was a kind of a, it was a poor showing from Bundesliga rather than a good showing from Bayern Munich. Nobody has put it up to them. If anyone had, they probably would have won the league because Bayern weren't that weren't that good. Yeah, they really well, weren't. That kind of bore out in Europe then, like yeah. they well they still got to a Champions League semi final. They got to a semi final, but it was the most fortuitous and, route to a semi final. Well, like they beat the Shikta. It was the, the most unfortunate loss ever suffered in the Champions League. I, final. I will grant you that that they were very unlucky in the semi final ultimately, but to the get second to second worst mistake in Champions League yeah. goalkeeping history. <laughs> At the time it was the worst. At the time it was the worst. <laughs> well like they played Bashiktash in the in the last sixteen and Bashiktash like basically said it themselves as they were like fortunate like they were happy to play yeah. Bayern Munich. That was their goal that exceeded their goals to get yeah out exactly and then they met Sevilla who like were also the worst they were the yeah. worst team in the quarterfinals they yeah they were so they and they, they just about beat run. Sevilla as yeah, well they had a good run yeah it was yeah they Sevilla did very well to get to the quarterfinals they deserved to get there based on the teams they played well that's just true well they did they deserved to beat Manchester United they did they saying. did yeah but uh, Bayern had an easy run they had a good yeah. they had a fortuitous straw we can say it like that but in the league they had no real you know competition threat yeah and they like that's missing big players as they did for a lot of like Neuer was out most of last season, uh, and like he's returning, like he is being criticised by Bayern, like he's well, maybe he's passed. He's, it. Yeah, this happened with Casillas as well. That like the um, near the end of Casillas, no, he's still going Casillas. In fairness, he's still playing Champions League level football. He's playing for Porto. Yeah, but uh, it happened with him as well near the end of his time at Real Madrid, where he started. He won Champions League like that. He was starting to make mistakes, and you could see he was making mistakes and. He wasn't the keeper he once was in his twenties, and maybe these keepers who were starting earlier are suffering end of year, end of career, you know, a lot earlier than other goalkeepers have in the past. Usually, a goalkeeper you'd expect him to be comfortably going to forty, like Buffon or like you know anyone of the old. Like Peter Shilton was in his forties playing in a World Cup, uh, and uh, Dino Zoff was captaining Italy to a World Cup victory in his forties. 
but now you're like if you're at 40 as a goalkeeper you're you're usually reckoned to be past it and maybe Neuer is past his prime the the injury he had as well would not have helped it, no, would, it would have sped up the process yeah. of his aging well especially well. for a goalkeeper who's, who's a lot of his game is based around his speed his agility his reactions and the mistakes he's been making have been around those type of things not so much decision making because he gave away the penalty and you say oh maybe it's a poor decision for him to come and, and give away that penalty but at the same time I think it was more it was he wasn't quick enough to he basically dived at the player's legs he wasn't quick enough to get the ball yeah like it did seem like he kind of hesitated at first but yeah. like i think two years ago he would have gotten yeah. that ball and it wouldn't have been a thing yeah that that is the difference like and maybe he, that's what's happening with him but he's not the only one in that Bayern team that's just well the whole team is just aged yeah like Lewandowski's heart he keeps scoring and he looks so unhappy i've never seen a player look so unhappy playing <laughs> he week in week out accelerate like every goal he yeah. scores he, he scores a lot he just of goals wants to leave so. the club like let him leave replace him He's, Frank his contract Ribery, is running out. Yeah, I think, he, that's this year. what they're going to happen. He's going to leave, and he's going to get a big payday and go to Real Madrid, and then do nothing at Real Madrid. That's what I expect to happen. Yeah. Uh, but like Ribery and Robin, like Robin is obviously out at the moment. Ribery's back in. Like you cannot. They are. They carry that team. Muller is missing chances left, right, centre. Muller just has not been the same since the World Cup win. Really. Like, yeah, it goes it's, that it's, far it's back. Taken, really. It's taken a lot out of him somehow. You're looking at other you're looking at other players in that team and you're like they have no centre to it, they've no defensive core in terms of their midfield, they've got no stability in midfield, there's no balance there. They're all like you said, they're all attacked, they're all those inside wingers coming in no matter what they're doing. Nothing behind it. There doesn't seem to be any partnership maturing with Taliso and anybody. Yeah. Thiago, you know, he and Taliso's a good player. He wants like. to leave the club, I think. And then in defence, you're relying on Jerome Boateng, a player that's in and out with injury all the time, who does not have the pace he wants to and is making mistakes. Like we saw at the World Cup, how poor he is. Like he was terrible those two game or one and a half game he got to play. I stand by the the not, David Alba is not a left back. He's despite he's the such people a trying weird to play player. Him. He's a midfielder. Play him in midfield. But like I remember, he played in midfield against Ireland. He was terrible. Yeah, but he's played midfield before for Austria and been amazing, including against Ireland. Yeah, well, he and scored he, that yeah. really good goal in yeah, ninety minutes. He, he dominated the match. Yeah, as a midfielder, like he he he's just not a left back. He's just not good enough to be Bayern Munich centre midfielder. So they put him at left back because he's quick and he's got a left foot. That's it. And then at right back, you have Joshua Kimmich who. It's probably too good to be the right back, but they have nobody else at the club to do it. Like he is the like a like he hates the comparisons to Philip Lamb, but he is Philip Lamb in the sense that like Philip Lamb was really good in midfield yeah. as well. So but, that's but I think that's what they have to do with him. I think yeah. they have to move him into midfield, but they're not doing it. Like the team, there's holes all over that team, and they're they're not being filled. And I don't see Bayern filling them. And if they don't, like I don't see what's like they brought in Kovac bringing this kind of new football, like that he played with Frankfurt and the kind of new progressive football they're mini like no I wouldn't say mini Klopp or mini Thomas Tuchel but someone who does something different from what Bayern have been doing the last five years they brought him in and he can't change anything if you don't change the personnel and like Bayern's team is so you know everyone more than any team in the world right now I think you know how Bayern are going to play yeah they watching them there was no discernible idea from the team it just seemed like it was a bit well it's just like you have players that you have say you have holes and you have there's round holes and you have circles like little little circles cube globes cubes what or what are they called spheres and you're putting the, you're dropping the spheres into those circles and those circles are inside forward Rebury he's he's right footed or yeah he's right footed let's play him on the left Robin or insert Robin replacement because Byron have lots of them 
Put him on the left. He's left-footed. Put him on the right-hand side. They'll cut in. Have a big centre-forward to the middle. Oh, in this case, it's Lewandowski. It's been Mario Gomez and before. It's been Luka Toni. It's been, name somebody. Mario Mandzukic. Ha- Mario Mandzukic. Behind them, you have an attacking player. It's been Mario Goetz in the past. It's Tony. It's Thomas Muller a lot of the time. Have him just stand there and you know link up the midfield to attack. And then you have the, the, the players behind them who are sitting midfield. And you have your full-backs who push on. That is the Bayern model. It's been the Bayern model for at least... It's been there since uh, Louis van Gaal was the first person to put that into place. It hasn't changed. It's not good. It's a kind of 4-2-3-1 four, four, formation with wingers. Inverted wingers. I don't... Like, Kovacs come in, nothing has changed. Like you said, there is no discernible style of play. They're not passing it that well. They're not playing like Pep Guardiola's style of just every, constantly be passing the ball around, keep circulating the ball, eventually the opponent will make a mistake. That was Pep's way of adapting his football to the system that hasn't changed. I don't know what Kovac is doing. Well, Bayern are sitting in fifth now, although Uli Hones might say that it was fourth. Uh, but uh, over in Spain, Real Madrid are in sixth. Uh, the title race really hotting up there. <laughs> he just looks so confused. Why, there. I don't understand why. Because <laughs> Ilionez was arguing with the press that Bayern Munich were second during the week when they were third because of goal difference. He was arguing that goal difference is meaningless. But if the title was to end today, yeah. if the title was to end today, Bayern Munich would be out of the Champions League, and so hey. would Real Madrid. Oli because... thought taxes were irrelevant for me. <laughs> You know, we can make it's it, it's a cheap shot. Yeah, it is, but, but uh, it's we, true. We can say that about Lionel Messi. Understanding of numbers. Despite Lionel Messi's return from injury, Barcelona lost four three to Real Betis at the the new camp. They would have lost four one. Yeah, probably four nil to Betis if it wasn't for Messi's return. But uh, it allowed their rivals to catch up. There's now only four points separating six sides at the top of La Liga. Six so, sides, so yeah. Real Madrid are at the bottom of those six, yeah. four points behind, despite their awful season. Yeah, despite having already sacked their manager. Yeah, it's been a weird. Like I've, I've watched a good bit of. It's La been Liga. a weird few years in in Spain. We've talked about it before. They don't have. There's no like you can say this is good or bad because when you don't have a outstanding team, weird things happen. Competition happens. You get excitement, like Leicester winning the Premier League, and you get this everyone who likes La Liga coming out and saying. Oh, you know, it's boring in La Liga. It's boring all league. It's so predictable. Yeah, but it is so predictable because basically you'll have the big teams, if they don't win a match, it's, oh my God, the big team hasn't won a match. It's not that they're losing week in, week out. If Barcelona were to start losing week in, week, how many games have Real Madrid lost? Not that many. Uh, Real Madrid have lost four matches. Yeah, they've lost four matches and that was cause enough for them to sack their manager. Yeah, Barcelona have now lost two. Actually, they'd sacked their manager before they lost the fourth of them, one of them, which was the classical. The no, he you know he, he was, was he going. Was... No, he was there, but he was going to be sacked. Yeah, yeah. He was just being there as a placeholder. Like it's not competitive. Like these teams aren't going to win. Like Real Madrid have lost four matches. Not going to win the league now. Barcelona might lose four in the season. Well, they're already two. Yeah, that's two what there. I mean. They might lose two more. But four points isn't actually that big of a gap for them to claw back against Barcelona. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. Barcelona will get ninety plus points this season. That's well, just what's going to happen. They've already or dropped. Atletico will get 90 plus points. Whoever's going to win the league, which but is going to be one of those teams two clubs. Keep, like, I keep thinking every week though, Barcelona will probably swat this side, of team, this side away or Atletico will. But both teams just 
they're not convincing. They're like Barcelona should have lost the week before as well. They played against was it Raya Real? Yeah, they, no, that was two, Barcelona. Two goals in the eighty seventh. Via Cano, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, that was PK and Suarez or Suarez. Double yeah, double. it was two very like not very fortunate goals, but it was it was a fortunate very comeback. Late goals, yeah, yeah eighty seven and ninety something minutes. And you know you can say what you want about that show and character or whatever, but they were very close to actually yeah. losing that yeah. match. Yeah. And Vallecano had a couple of chances as well. The manager end of Vallecano was so angry. Yeah, I can imagine and why. the fans behind the goal just lost their mind when, like, it was so saddening. But, like, Bar- like Barcelona can be got at. I think, like, it's weird to say, but I think Barcelona, I think, will end up ultimately focusing on the Champions League. I think that's. I think they just want to win that more. Yeah, no, and I can understand it. La Liga titles mean nothing, like, to them. This always happens in Spain when... Generally, it's when a team goes on a good run and they actually have a solid side, like when Bar- when um, Luis Enrique's Barcelona won the league so easily a couple of years ago, and, or when it happened under Frank Reichardt, or when Real Madrid did it in that intervening years before Pep and when Pep did it. Like the teams stop caring about La Liga because it's become such a second nature, easy thing. You're right. I think they will focus Champions League. I don't fancy them doing it in the Champions League. Uh, it, it sounds weird to say, considering how critical I've been of uh, Barcelona over the last year and a half. But I actually think they're going to win it this year. Just I'm, I'm putting it out there. How, like, That's my prediction for put it I down just, the 12th just, of November, 2018. Barcelona going to win the Champions League this season. It's just I was so not not that I was disappointed, and I didn't really care that Real Madrid won it again last season. It was just funny for the Zan angle. But there are. It's such a bad thing for football because they Real Madrid. It's not so much a Barcelona yet. I fear it might go that way. Real Madrid was a vehicle for individualism. In that there was not a collective play there for Real Madrid in any of the last three Champions League finals. They kind of just existed, and the players did what they wanted to do, and they had strategy, which was get the ball to the best player who will take a shot, and they take a shot. And Real Madrid got very lucky against Liverpool last season in that... They got lucky in every round. They did, but especially in the final, with the, the obviously the Benzema goal. The the goal, the first goal Bale scored was a showstopper and you can't take that away and that that's great. But it's a, it's one moment of individual brilliance. And then the third goal was a complete mess as well. Bale's long-range shot. Yeah, Carrius just dropping it. Threw it in, goal. yeah. But the... the, the like, it's just... You, you, you give the ball to the player and the player just does whatever they want. They have, they have semblance of some positioning that they'll stay in. They won't really adhere to that. Like you have, Marcelo will stay on his left hand side, and whoever Caravajal or whoever is on will stay on the right hand side. Tony Cross will stay to the left hand side of midfield. Uh, Modric will move a bit more advanced than that. Casemiro will stay to the centre to the right. Like other than that, there's no real positions. Like you, you have, you have nominative positions on the field, but they're not keeping to those. And then they're not passing the ball exactly. It's kind of give the ball to one of the quarterbacks, Kroos or Modric, and let them think of something, and they'll produce a bit of magic. That's it. That was their strategy. It won them three Champions Leagues. But I don't see them winning it this year. No, but I'm fear that that's the way Barcelona are going as well. It's not give it. You don't really. You have like Rakitic, who's I think passed at this point. Got sent off the weekend. Yeah, for kind of ridiculous set. Like he was already on a yellow, and he just threw his legs up. Yeah, any any player that gets a second yellow. And he was in midfield. Like, why did he do it? Second, anyone that gets sent off though for two yellows, it, all, it always does raise the question. Like, why? Yeah, you knew what was going to happen. Like, if you were like, unless it was like, unless it's last ditch, or unless it looks like I'm definitely getting this, and yeah. you just screw it up last minute. But he didn't. He was middle of the field. He kind of got like, man ran around him. It's like he's showing him up for being slow. I'm going to get him for that. Yeah, he's showing me up. Even though your man wasn't really, he wasn't showboating. He wasn't doing step overs or anything like that. 
it, it, it's, I think Rakitic has passed it. Like Coutinho's still there, but he's not playing the right position. And it's just their names at this point. They're not. They're it's not just, a team. They're individual names in a collective. It's just the fact that Messi is so good and he seems so driven to win the Champions League this year. Like it just seems. Does he seem driven to win the Champions League? It does. League? Like the... I don't think Messi cares. I think if Messi retired in the morning. If he did a Bjorn Borg and just retired, <laughs> that that I wouldn't be surprised. It's just like yeah. I feel like the last. Because I don't think he's driven by individual acclaim the way the other players are. No, but I just feel like he he wants that one last Champions League because of how. Terrible, they've done like ter- relatively terrible. Right, they've done quarterfinals, yeah, quarterfinals. Like any other team yeah. would probably be happy with that, but like the the manner in which they lost to Roma last year, the manner in which yeah. they've been losing the last couple of years, all the while Real Madrid, their big rivals, are winning yeah, they've won, easily. They've, they've beaten, they've equaled Messi in the last five years. They've equaled Messi's four career yeah. total, and Champions like leagues. not to make it a Ronaldo Messi, but Ronaldo does have the extra one over yeah. it now. He does, which may play into Messi's mind. Although I doubt it. I don't think it does that much. I think like. They're it's they're different teams. They're different players. But uh, so you're saying that one of the big three teams will one of the big two even just Barcelona. You're saying one of Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are going to win La Liga. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't I don't really give Real Madrid a chance because their team is dysfunctional. They haven't decided on a new manager yet. I yeah, don't they're going to have them. to make a decision yeah. this week. This week, uh, Solari has to either be appointed for the rest of the season or they get somebody else in. It's not looking like they're getting somebody else in, so then they're stuck with Solari. While you know, maybe he'll do with Zidane on it and pull them together and like knock some heads together in a way Zidane did. I don't see it happening. And I don't think they have solved the crucial problem that Lapetegui had, which was they've got rid of Ronaldo. They don't have another goal scorer in the squad to score the amount of goals they need. And as a result, they're going to struggle scoring goals. And that's what's happened. You can go for stats. That's, that's the way people that don't understand football analyze football is with stats. I don't go for stat. I don't go for stat. Yesterday, Manchester City avenged the 3-2 defeat they suffered last April at the hands of their bitter local rivals, Manchester United. A 3-1 victory over Jose Mourinho's side saw City go back to the top of the table, clear Liverpool by two points as we head into the last international break until March. But with everything surrounding the club off the pitch, the Football League story spending all, the money, uh, spending all of last week focusing on the ownership of the club, just how easy is it to separate what happens off the pitch from what happens on the pitch? That's very that's very heavy stuff there, Declan. Yeah, it's just been on my mind this last week. <laughs> has, it, has it been on your mind? <laughs> yeah, because... Just this last week, not 10 years ago, when it was originally bought by a country. Yeah, but like, obviously we all knew that what was going on in Man City was, you know, not the best thing for football. But it's just when it's all laid bare in front of us, like it was last week. Yeah. This like... And, like the figure I think was two point seven billion dollars. There was even euros was has been put into Manchester City yeah. through you know not just player investment but investment into the stadium, the was stuff it around. Lee Dixon that said in commentary over the weekend, it's it's you know the com- Arlo whatever the NBC main commentator was saying. Oh, you know what to think what it was like. 20 years ago when Man City played Man United you know with Kevin Keegan the Man City manager yeah, stuff like that and Lee Dixon just the Man City fan Lee Dixon comes and says yeah it's crazy what you know a bit of time and 2 billion pounds yeah <laughs> he put actually. it well yeah he did yeah. he said it well like he was like they're not even like this is that was the difference 2 billion pounds is what gets you what well, and like are. obviously when it it's not. It's not even the fact that they're like it was just a bit like uh, coincidental that they're playing Manchester United. But like Manchester United have their wealth to their own manners, 
but it's like Mourinho. I was surprised that he didn't make a comment about it. Like you predicted he would last week. Yeah, he made I no think real comment. comment. I think it's coming. Yeah, he, I think he'll save it for when he's under more pressure. Perhaps, but a part of it is though, like. Yeah, Mourinho can't really speak too much though because of how you know Man City Pep has spent money on players, obviously. But Mourinho has also spent money on players. It's just a matter of where the money has come from. You know, Mourinho wasn't Mourinho too has bad in there. How much money Man yeah. City has spent before? It's like an extra hundred million or whatever. But when like an extra hundred million doesn't bring you from eight to first, no. so like of all the managers to complain about, I don't think Mourinho is the the best. He's best suited to do yeah. that. But it does feel like like. I feel kind of bad for Liverpool in a way because they've built this really good team yeah. that, you know, they're doing quite well and then, you know, they're just coming up against this thing that they can't even fight against in Manchester City. Well, like, football is an all-boys sport, especially in, in, in big teams in Europe. In Europe and in the, in the world, but in Europe, certainly. It's an all-boys sport in that there's old teams in there and those old teams are... So they've, they've protected their positions for so long, for decades, for 100 years in some cases, in, in Spain, for instance. They protected their position as the big clubs in the area, in the region, in the country, in the continent. And they do it at the misfortune of everyone else. In other words, the rich get rich, richer and the poor get poor. Champions League is case in point that when they reformed the European Cup into the Champions League, they did it at the disadvantage of smaller leagues around Europe because the big teams were sick of, we, can't go, we, we have to win our league every year to qualify for this tournament. And these teams get to qualify every year. These The Ajax of the world, the... You know, uh, Sparta Prague's, the Red Star Belgrades, the, you know, the smaller countries in Europe were qualifying for the Euro- like our Irish teams were qualifying for the Champions League for the Euro- European Cup every year by virtue of winning their their league in a in a so quote unquote smaller country, and then that changed the the power shift changed and like we get two teams qualifying from the big the so called big leagues i.e. the le- the leagues with the most money who had the biggest clubs who could affect the most amount of influence on the, the the controllers of it the way that Man City have been with the rules more recently because they are a big club now but at the time they weren't and those big clubs did it to, at the detriment of the other teams and basically ensured that those other teams either in other countries or in their own leagues that didn't have access to European football who didn't have access to the best players didn't have access to that extra money the European football gave them or international cachet of getting you know fans from around the world which enabled you then to have international tours which enabled you to sell more TV and more kits and more you know everything in foreign lands that gives you more money into it that boosts boosts the profile of your club to make it more of an international brand that allows you to sell more to be there more to be have more fans etc and so forth it's a cycle it's a it's a snowball that goes out and that's why Manchester United are such a big club it's why Liverpool are such a big club it's why Arsenal are such a big club it's why Chelsea are such a big club because they grew that as the Premier League era moved on well Chelsea did also have the injection of cash from Roman yeah, Brown yeah I'll get to that now that like Chelsea were the first club to do this they weren't the first club because in fairness there, there's been plenty of clubs with wealthy benefactors in the past Blackburn Rovers Blackburn even. Rovers in the modern era like we can go way back and we'd say almost every team has had a wealthy benefactor at some point or another Manchester United Arsenal like they've all but like when the Blackburn with if we go to Blackburn say like Blackburn's owner came from it was a local steel though it was British steel yeah but it was it wasn't like a country coming in and deciding no, we are going to use a tool to help our reputation around the world well I don't think Man City is necessarily being like we can go into the 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 the, the the kind of details of it that basically there's a sovereign wealth fund a lot of countries a lot of uh, mineral rich countries have these sovereign wealth funds Norway have one for instance don't think they can get around get involved with football clubs because of the 
exactly why for the reason that Qatar and UAE and all these other Middle Eastern oil titans are getting involved in, in football clubs because it'll boost their profile. That's why Norway doesn't do it because then people in Norway will be like, what are you doing spending money in football clubs when you could be doing this at home? But in they don't have that same you know, kind of political presence or you know people getting outraged at home as, as other European countries or other countries around the world would have. So they have to... So they invest in football clubs and if they do get the fringe benefit of the boosting their international reputation, putting them, tying them in the same way that Roman Abramovich did it. He did it to tie himself into an institution, a British institution, to insulate himself and protect himself. To help from any, his own pre- reputation. Yeah, to protect himself from any possible, anything that could possibly befall him. It yeah. was a way of insulating himself from that. And it's, it's so far, it's worked to a to a certain extent. I know he's had to leave the UK now. but Yeah, and he's it's banned worked, from Switzerland. Yeah, but it worked it for like 10, 15 years. And it has worked for the UAE, for um, Sheikh Mansour's sovereign wealth group as representative of the United Arab Emirates. It's worked very well for them in Abu Dhabi. Uh, but then, then there was that story, and this story broke initially about a month or two ago, and it kind of resurfaced again this week of uh, one of the Sheikh's cousins, or one of Sheikh Mansour's cousins, will put in a $2 billion, $2 billion bid for Liverpool. Yeah. I, and, and apparently they've been interested for more than a decade in the club. And uh, apparently FSG have come out and denied any yeah. uh, any claim that they want to sell the club. But just it's thinking, looking like they're might they might be willing to. I think like two billion is a lot of money. Obviously, yeah. it's hard to turn down such a huge figure. You don't actually make a huge amount of profit in football. It is more of a trophy business. Yeah, it isn't a business someone goes in to make money. Well, th- you can make money in it. You can, but, you but it's, can't it's make, not one you go in thinking, okay, this is definitely going to make, make loads money. and loads and loads of money. You don't. You don't get that because it, it charges so much in reinvestment. Yeah, so like with FSG, like obviously two billion would be a, a huge amount for them to take. But it, I just think how damaging it would be to football if another team came in in, in England, but, so, and especially because it's a team like Liverpool. Teams. But yeah, but I just think it would be bad for Liverpool, like a historic club like Liverpool, to just have this country backing them. Well, there's there's two points. It's it's good and bad for the, it's bad for the point you make that you kind of you're taking the club further away from say its ideals and it's for whatever FSG are they seem to be kind of home they they try to put out this presence of being oh we are there for the fans they're very conscious of their image and being seen to be there the, uh, as opposed to the previous ownership of Liverpool Hicks and Gillette who were very that nearly bankrupt the club we're there for the money this is what we're there for they got well the financial crisis hurt them very badly but they were you know everything about about that kind of stank from day one but the, they had to sell the club at the time the, the, the old previous owners needed to get rid of the club it, had, it became time for them to do it and they and FSG came in learned from the mistakes of the past put a very different stand on it like we want to be Liverpool Football Club we understand Liverpool as a city we understand the importance of Liverpool Football Club to the fans of Liverpool and the global you know it's global reach it's global brand and it's history and everything like that to say that the the other group of the from the United Arab Emirates coming in won't learn from that as well and try and learn from what Sheikh Mansour's group has done up the road in Manchester I, I can't see them coming in and not learning from that I do understand what you're saying that it's bad for the, the, the kind of structure of the game that there's these sugar daddies that are, that clubs become dependent on and they're no longer self-sufficient. And if the money was plugged in, pulled in the morning, they would cease to exist. Like if Chelsea, Man City, either of those clubs, if their money, if there was in the morning, the, the plug was suddenly pulled and all, the, all the, the money went away from the club, they'd be gone. 
Yeah, if Roman, if Roman Abramovich decided, okay, I want my money back. Yeah, or if he folded and suddenly all his money disappeared and they couldn't sell, like they couldn't capitalize the club really quickly, that's the end of Chelsea. Same at Man City, it would collapse the club. They'd have to sell their players to keep it keep it going afloat. It would be like Leeds almost. Yeah, it would be something similar to it. Like they they're not Manchester United, who have, as you said, have revenue streams and like natural revenue streams of five hundred million. They're not Real Madrid, who have some similar revenue stream, or Barcelona, or Arsenal, or even Spurs, who have less money than that, but still have a huge market in London. Have huge, you know, they get a lot of money in every year. Yeah, and Spurs are kind of the club that I I look to when like I've seen. Manchester, they have a wealthy benefactor. They as well. they do, but it isn't a, a it is it's not a, a state backed person either it's no, just someone it's who very bought the club. very rich person yeah and you know that i feel like that is different to a state actually being like okay well, we're going to use the club. sovereign wealth yeah yeah but it's, it's slightly different it's they're slightly getting money different. out of their country to to avert inflation yeah but it's it's a minor it's a subtle difference really yeah. as opposed to you know a rich person against say the yeah. british government yeah coming in it's as close as you're going to get in club ownership to nationalization yeah so that I look back because obviously a lot of Man City fans, you know, it it is a tough spot for Man City fans, especially ones that were there for the last however long before these people came in. Yeah. It is like it is a tough spot because obviously you know Man City are winning the league at the moment. They won it last year. You know, as a fan, as they're growing for someone who's a fan of that club, presence. they're going to want to yeah. celebrate that because yeah. why wouldn't you? You won yeah. you won the league title. And you know they've they've won the derby on Sunday. They're two points they're going clear. From strength yeah. to strength. They're in the they, Champions they're League. playing fantastic yep. football. They, well, the city fans don't seem to like the Champions League, but yeah, they're in yep. the Champions League. You know, it, so it is a tough spot for them. And obviously, tribalism plays such a bizarre role in sport that they will want to defend it in some yep. way. Obviously, I'm sure there are some Man City fans out there who aren't particularly happy with the regime or whatever is going on. Or They'd be unhappy everything that's come with, out in the last yeah, week. Yeah, that people that the club say since they become a big club, they realize we're a big club now. Like the other big clubs, we can just ignore the rules that we don't want to follow. But then that kind of like it's there. There's just one section of the Man City fans, and you know we don't really know what their ties to Man City are. Like I'm not going to paint with a broad brush here. Yeah. But they've been going. Oh, you know, we had to break up the the four, the big four, or whatever. And like that's a ridiculous. But yeah, but they're just arguments. But, but they're fan arguments. Yeah. And you can see it's with football fans. I find like they do do terrible things online, and it's good. It's a good. I do to avoid a lot of it. Yeah. No matter what, because you just hear, you just see... Such nonsense. Non- nonsense, vitriol, threats, ter- terrible things really that aren't nice. Uh, and it's a good idea just to avoid it because I don't use this as giving people a way out or an excuse, but like imagine people's kids. You know, you will your kid does something bad. People defend their children. Yeah. They do the worst things. Not, I'm not saying children do terrible things all the time but people will look cast a blind eye oh a child wrote on the wall oh yeah you know he's at least being artistic yeah you know they'll find an excuse or a way out not all the time but sometimes and I see a lot of these arguments are certain fans just like putting rose tinted glasses on and going oh yeah it's nice it's artistic the way they got around those accounting rules for financial fair but that's, that's why I want to point to Tottenham because they actually did break the big four back under Harry Redknapp yeah. and again since they've qualified yeah. for the Champions League the last yeah. three years and, and Everton did it in, before then yeah and David Moyes unfortunately they didn't actually qualify in the end but they did break the top no, four no but in modern times and Leicester City yeah obviously Leicester the, 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 although they the were fairy in danger of story. FFP breaches I think yeah point. they broke the championship FFP yeah. rules which are different to yeah. UEFA's and then different again to the Premier League yeah uh, Bournemouth broke FFP rules in the championship as well obviously they didn't win the league or whatever but yeah uh, and that was an incredible story with Leicester. 
Uh, so like you know, without it Man is City, well, yeah, exactly. Man, That's what I'm saying. Those arguments already. They're, they're kind Man of City aren't the saviors of Premier League football. They've yeah. they've actually just added to the yeah. problems that they were complaining against initially. Yeah. And that's just, it's frustrating to see that as well. And it's, it's just frustrating to see. And all of this is the same with PSG, like Paris, or not Paris, Liga is a joke of a league at the moment. Like it, it was 10 years ago that was a league, like Le- or Lyon were winning it pretty well. But like it was seven a Seven in a row, Lyon Yeah, had. they won seven in a row. But like they were a good team. They, you know, they, they weren't quite a Bayern Munich. They were just a really good team. Yeah. Uh, that had done quite well. They planned well. well yeah. yeah, they bought well. And had a good academy. But like we saw the likes of Lille win a title, Bordeaux win one or two, I think. Uh, yeah. Lille won a couple, Bordeaux Montpellier. won a couple, Montpellier were Leicester effectively. Yeah. So like Liga used to be, you know, a fun little league. It would be just below a tier below the big ones, like the big four of yeah. Bundesliga, La Liga and such. But it's completely ruined that league. Like it was, it was a big thing that Monaco won the league, who were also backed by a rich benefactor yeah and like it, it, we really shouldn't be celebrating a club like Monaco winning the league all, but we were at the time yeah, because it was because like it was oh my god yeah it was PSG different PSG have been beaten and it is it's a turn up now when PSG like they haven't lost in the league yet. they haven't even drawn yet yeah they're on a like they're going to on course to win the league by February yeah like they haven't dropped like any points months, they beat like... Monaco 4-0 on Sunday I think it was yeah they afforded they afforded quote unquote uh Neymar and Mbappe in one window without breaking any rules yeah although they'll also I'm sure like they gave Neymar time off for his birthday yeah like, they're a bit of a joke of a club like Neymar I'm sure will go back to Brazil for Christmas and they won't miss him <laughs> you know when the matches he misses either before or after the break like it's so like it's disappointing to see Liga just turn into this completely devolved into a league yeah, no one even pays attention no. to and the clubs you know, and it's sad for the clubs and the players that are at other clubs that are at Marseille that are at Monaco yeah like Leon do anything Leon are doing well at the moment but they're still not even close to coming near yeah. PSG it's like Scotland it's a, it's like a, a more it's a more it's a highly focused version of Scotland where you have one team who can actually really do anything and then everyone else kind of at relatively the same level. So even if you are like beating your your other teams, you're still not going to be, you're going to be the best of the rest. Yeah, you need to be beating everyone to be able to compete with PSG. Yeah. And, and like Monaco did that at the time. They yeah, we kind of have that in Spain though. Yeah, but it, it... And Italy's become it in the last few years that you have one team and then everybody else. But it is different though because of the way PSG have got oh, it there. is, yeah. But, but and like they've bought it quickly. But like we said at the start of this, unless if you're a big team now, if you want to be a big team now, it's nearly impossible. That's why Leicester was such a story. That they and they had a rich benefactor who bankrolled them to get out of the championship in fairness, but then they just had championship players in Premier League or decent mid level Premier League players in Premier League and they did something amazing. I don't see anyone else doing that anytime soon. Yeah, like it just leaves football in like this really weird kind of depressing place. Yeah. Where like I I've enjoyed Man City's football. Like obviously they've done well. Yeah. Pep Guardiola is a fantastic manager. I'm not yeah. going to take anything away from him. But it just felt a bit sour watching them on Saturday being like, "Oh yeah, you know, they're just going to win the league pretty easily." Yeah, you're looking at everybody else and you're like, "Oh yeah, Liverpool won without playing convincingly, but they're still winning and Chelsea are still unbeaten. Like they, they, Arsenal are still keeping that unbeaten record. Going. I think I heard but it was none of them have are going to get anywhere near. I think I heard that it was like Liverpool are like in the top ten for best ever Premier League starts, and all the other nine have won the league title. Yeah, and obviously Liverpool can obviously still win it, but yeah. like they 
they will probably go on to not win it. At least yeah. I think they won't. Spurs have the best ever start. Yeah, their best ever start. Not going to win the yeah, league. Not, not even, even close. Might even finish from the top four. They're not even in the conversation to win the league. Like yeah. it is three teams that are in that conversation. And Spurs are Spurs level with the uh, Chelsea now. Yeah, they're they're all there. Like it's a similar thing. The Premier League. It is a tight top four, five. Yeah, Arsenal have just kind of fallen away because of a few draws. But like off, yeah. that could swing in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But it's not going to swing to bring them near Man City. It's going to swing no. to bring them near Tottenham or but Chelsea. Like, Liverpool were top the league before Man City beat Man United last night. Yeah, I don't. I, I that don't, could be the last time yeah. they were top of the league for a while. It could be. Yeah, it's, it. That's going to do us for the show today, I think, unless you have any <laughs> other... depressing yeah. end to the show. Like, <laughs> Is yeah, that two weeks in a row we ended on no, a really depressing like, note? I don't think it's that depressing. I think the reality is, like, to be a big team these days, you can only... There's only two ways to be a big team now. You either are already a big team, or you have to have that humongous benefactor behind you. It's not even good enough anymore to have a rich benefactor, a billionaire. You have to have something like a sovereign wealth fund. Because if you were to come in, like FSG are a huge successful multinational sport franchise, sport franchise owner, like ownership model, who have had massive success. Boston Red Sox won the World Series again this year. And they go to Liverpool and they're like, you can't even, Liverpool can't sign big players. They can't afford to. But that's because they can't afford to because they're spending within the rules of the game. Exactly. Whereas Man that, City blatantly are not, that's according what I mean. to these That's what documents. I mean, because they need, yeah. Well, Man City and a lot of teams are doing it, but that's the only way, The o- that's the only other way to be a big club these days is to have those benefactors come in and to flaunt the rules that have been put in for sustainability in football. And in the long term, it could result in very unstable football, but as long as these sovereign wealth funds hang around, this is the only this is the way things are going to be. And if I was a Liverpool fan, you'd be excited that a sovereign wealth fund would come in and maybe buy you. But at the same time, you are worried like what happens in ten years' time if the money stops and the club just disintegrates. Yeah, there's more long term stability with FSG. It, it appears. Yeah, but is it worth it? That's is it worth it to the fan? And fans are notoriously myopic; they're short term. They'll look at it like if that means I win five Premier Leagues and maybe two Champions Leagues in the next ten years, I might take that deal. Yeah. And you can't blame them for that because it is just sport at the end of the day. It's what people live for. And if they get to see what Man City have done in the last ten years, their what three league titles, their Champions League semi final, coming from a base of Stuart Pearce losing seven nil to eight one. Eight one, sorry, to Middlesbrough, Gareth Southgate's Middlesbrough. And now look at them just playing on Manchester United yesterday. Toying them with look them, amateur, yeah. yeah. Getting to get for the fans the opportunity to go away every time there was a b- exactly. pass, and that was early on. It was like after fifty-five minutes. That yeah, like that they've come so far, and it's likely Dixon said it's amazing what two billion pounds will do for you. And like it, obviously, then just this whole thing is just going to be swept under a rug. You know, everyone's going to yeah. forget about everyone's it. The already forget about it. FIFA, FIFA aren't going to do anything. The nope. FA aren't going to do anything, or whoever could do anything in England. And it just leaves kind of a sour taste it does. when they eventually do lift it does. the title. That's, it's, it's saddening, but unfortunately that's, the, the like we said, like maybe the only way to clear this up would be if we had a European Super League and you had self-regulation and the rest of the clubs would enforce something against one of the clubs. But that's not going to happen by the looks of things anytime soon. So this is the, the sad state of affairs we're in where nobody really wants to take responsibility for what they're doing and they all want an easy win. And it is with that that we will wrap up the show. It's an international <laughs> break next week. Yeah, from one so, sad notion to another. 
Uh, the we'll, Nation League never ends. Hopefully, uh, something will happen next week, but we do have plans for <laughs> something things. Something will happen. We, we, hopefully. We have things lined up that we will talk about next week anyway, so we will be back, uh, no matter how boring the national break may be, because I'm not looking forward to watching Ireland. <laughs> oh, you know, Denmark. Don't forget Northern Ireland first oh, yeah, on Northern Thursday. Ireland, yeah. Wow. We got that Southampton striker called up. Oh, yeah. Or is he striker? I have no idea. He is, yeah. And Shane Long has been ruled out, so we'll miss all the goals he's been scoring. Oh, yeah, poor Shane Long. What, two goals and up to 68 matches now or something? Stephen Kenny for Ireland. Yeah, Stephen Kenny for Ireland. Uh, so until then, thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. You can also follow us on social media at the TF Pod on Twitter and Total Football Pod on Instagram. You can also be found on podcast services including Spotify by searching Total Football Podcast. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.